So your thoughts drive your emotions, your emotions drive your actions, and then your actions reinforce the thinking and so on. And so it just keeps going and going and going. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where I share mindset, lifestyle, and business hacking tips, tools, and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses, and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professional athletes. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm Michael Mojo, founder of Mojo Human Performance Institute, where we focus on business, mindset, and lifestyle hacking for driven mofos. And the reason why I do these episodes is that most people waste their life, and I just don't want you to be one of them. Today, we are diving into part two of this two-part series, all on self-sabotage, procrastination, stress, and a whole bunch of other things to help you to keep performing better and breaking those patterns that are stopping you from doing the things that you want to do and achieving the things that you want in life. Anyway, enjoy this episode. Keep crushing it. Enjoy. So my point is that first of all, in order to break self-sabotage, procrastination, and in order to deal with this stuff, you've got to get clear with what your priorities are in life and what life is for you in your own unique way, which is your values, your values order. Then you need to get really, really clear with what your purpose is in life and your purpose comes off of your highest values. And then finally, once you've got your purpose and your values, you then need to understand what lifestyle balance looks like to you. Now, for me, uniquely, I like to work anywhere between 50 to 70 hours a week. That's like my average. Now, for most people, they're like, why do you work so much? Why? Because I want to. This is what I enjoy. For me, this shit's not work. Like it's eight o'clock at night here in Adelaide and I'm just doing what I love. I was up at 5.30 this morning. What was I doing? I was doing what I love. I woke up, I did some reading, I got up, I trained. Then from there, I got ready for a client and then I've had a client all day. I've been coaching them because I've flown over from interstate. So I've been working with them all day, did some podcasts and then bang, I'm back onto this. And then I'll probably work until 9.30, 10 o'clock tonight. That's a normal night for me. That's what I enjoy. So my idea of lifestyle balance is completely different to someone else. You might have a full-time mother who's staying at home with their kids. They might put in... 40 to 50 hours with the kids a week. Now, if you drop that down to 10 hours, they might feel completely unfulfilled and like be stressing about their kids the whole time because their high values dictate that they're unfulfilled. So the idea of lifestyle balance has been completely destroyed by an ideal, which is ridiculous. And that is that we need to have all areas of life completely balanced in a perfect way. It will never happen. It never has happened. And it's completely dictated based on your values. So for me, I can train two hours a day and I love it. And I can do that for six days a week. I normally take one day off. To me, that's enjoyable training. For some people, their idea of training two hours once a week is like a nightmare. And for some people out there who don't have a high value on career or a high value on business or a high value on wealth creation, they might not want to work a 60 or 80 hour week. But for those people who do, they love it. So it is really, really important to understand. And that can come in many different forms too, by the way. Like when I've worked with scientists before, Those scientists might work 100 hours a week and they've been working 100 hours a week for 30 or 40 years in order to do research. And that's just what they do. That's what they enjoy. But that's someone else's idea of a nightmare. So first of all, you have to get clear with your values. You've got to get clear with your purpose. And you also have to understand your own unique lifestyle balance and what that looks like. And normally you do that through a bit of trial and error and you get feedback in life and you start to adapt your life based on those things. That's what I call pillar number one of our Thrive Time event. So that there is where you find your fulfillment. Now, when you're fulfilled, you're less likely to self-sabotage, you're less likely to procrastinate, and you're less likely to self-destruct. So there's a little bit of a key for where we're going already. So in pillar one, you've got to find out what actually fulfills you. And it can't be based on bullshit emotional volatilities like being calm all the time or everything being easy. Like when I wake up in the morning, I don't think about an easy day. 
I think about getting shit done and achieving things and growing. That's what I think about. Because I know that worrying about having an easy day, it normally ends up in absolute carnage and destruction and bullshit. So I don't even think about it. I was working with a client last week who's a very successful business owner. And he's like, you know, I just keep thinking about, you know, how I want to be happy and what happiness looks like. And he kept talking about happiness. And I said, when was the last time you had happiness? And he said, well, yeah, I, the other day I was happy. And I said, excellent. How long did it last for? I don't know, an hour or two. And I said, excellent. Was it really an hour or two? Or did you have a moment of happiness and then another moment a little bit later and another moment, another moment? And you just generalized it and said, I was happy. And he went, yeah, okay, that's a good point. Throughout the day, I had many different emotions that came up, but overall, I was generally happy. And I went, okay, so it's a generalization. But you also know that it didn't last. So therefore, when have you ever just been happy for an extended period of time? And when we really broke it down and we nailed it, he's never really been happy for an extended period of time. Just like he hasn't been sad for an extended period of time. He has moments of sadness, moments of happiness, moments of stress, moments of frustration. Because our emotions are consistently regulating throughout the day. And our awareness on those emotions, normally we will grab them and generalize them and that will determine how we feel throughout the day. So when someone says, I had a good day, that's a gross generalization of, yeah, so 86,400 seconds in a day. So when someone said, I've had a good day, is that all 86,400 seconds? How do you determine that? So people just grab shit and then make it up. So at the end of the day, they go, oh, I had a good day today. Oh, I had a crappy day. Okay. You mean you had a couple of moments and then you just generalized it. And because of that, that's how you've determined your day. That's not true though. It's not the truth. It's just a generalization. Humans do that consistently. So first of all, you've got to figure out pillar one, which pillar one of our success map, which is fulfillment. You've got to figure out what fulfills you. Also, you're more likely to be successful when you're doing things that you're actually fulfilled in and where you can take on maximum stress and maximum pressure because that's where you're going to get maximum growth. Now, the area that you're going to get maximum stress and maximum pressure without getting overwhelmed is going to be in your highest values. So that's going to be your lane in life, your lane that you stick to. Then you jump into the next area, which is direction. And direction comes from mission, from getting clear with what your future looks like and your future mission. But if your mission doesn't align with your values, it's a fantasy. Now, most people create fantasies and delusions around what their goals and mission are in life because they're trying to escape emotions. And again, this is the distortion thing. Most people are distorted in their goals because they go, well, I just want to be happy. So therefore, I'm setting goals that I think are going to make me happy. But the truth is, happiness is a shit metric for life. So their goals aren't accurate. And then most people don't set goals effectively in the first place. If they're elated and excited, they will tend to overestimate their skill sets and they will underestimate the time that it takes in order to achieve those things. So they'll create unrealistic expectations on time and they'll also overestimate their skill set. And so when they're rushing hard to try and achieve something, they're probably going to have high levels of anxiety, high levels of distress, higher levels of pressure than what they can handle. So they're going to burn out and self-sabotage and self-destruct. When you set clear, effective goals, you just calmly implement. You listen for feedback in your mind and your emotions. So if I set a goal that's unrealistic, I notice that I start stressing and I start rushing and adrenaline's high and I'm trying to rush, rush, rush. And so it creates an anxiety. It creates a high level of distress. And then what will happen is in your brain, you'll go, oh shit, I need to get away from this stuff. I need to get away. And so your brain starts thinking about holidays. It starts thinking about relaxation. It starts thinking about de-stressing because it's trying to relieve that stress. And so this is where most people start to self-sabotage. They'll go sit on the couch. They'll eat a block of chocolate. They'll overeat food. They'll drink beer. They'll take drugs. They'll medicate. All of those things normally happen 
as a byproduct of creating unrealistic goals or unrealistic expectations upon themselves. And so then it's gonna to lead to self-sabotage or self-destruction, probably both of those things together. So we've gotta get clear with a long-term mission or our long-term goal. And then once we get that mission and providing it aligns with our purpose, our values, and also our lifestyle balance that we want, then we know that we've got a clear and effective mission. Once you're on the path to achieving that mission, you'll probably also get visions that pop up inside your head. And if they're consistent, you wanna write them down. Because most people have visions that pop up inside their head, they just don't document them. So when I ask people, what do you want? They're like, well, I don't fucking know. I've been trying like all this different shit and I want that and I want happiness and I wanna be calm. But it's probably helping you to get something that you're looking for in order to counterbalance something else. So first of all, you've got, the mission and then you get these visions that pop up inside your head. Most people don't document those visions because they think they're irrelevant. Now, I had a vision since I was 21 years of age, which is me standing on a stage and speaking in front of tens of thousands of people. I've also noticed that over the years that's grown to working in the medical institute or running medical institutions and stuff like that and sort of doing some transformation in the medical industry or in the health industry. Also working with business owners to make sure. I think business is a warrior sport and I was just doing some study for our upcoming business growth odyssey event. 56% of business owners don't last longer than four years. That was the stats that have just come out. So 54% of business owners don't make it past four years. So a lot of people are putting their life, their life savings and everything into business. And I think that if I can help people with that, it's gonna help not only them, but their friends, their family, create a lifestyle, also help employ more people and so on. And I think that that's really important. So that's a gift that I have and a strength that I have. So that's part of the visions that keep appearing. So I document them, I update my mission, I make sure that it aligns with my values and my purpose because that gives me the unique way that I do it. I know the way that I help business owners is through my values. High quality connections, teaching and learning, business and wealth creation, and then also health and physical well-being. So I just use my values to help me to achieve my mission. And also it aligns with the visions that I keep having. So this then creates direction. Once you've got the visions and the missions, you can set clear goals. And then once you've got clear goals, you then use your emotions and what's going on for you to give you feedback as to how realistic or unrealistic those goals are on the timeframes that you're setting. So if you have too much anxiety and you've got too much stress and you're running on adrenaline, you're probably setting goals that are unrealistic for the time frame. Not saying that you can't achieve them, but just based on the skill sets that you have and based on your competencies and the people you've got surrounding you currently. That doesn't mean that they can't speed up and it doesn't mean you can't achieve them. It just means you've got to adjust them a little bit now. If you're just relaxed and lazy and you're chilled out and you don't really have any energy and motivation, you need to start pushing your timeframes a lot faster and a lot harder, making the goal a lot bigger. So you can tell a lot about a person and how they set goals, whether even if they set goals, you know, written down or whether they set them in their own head based on how they behave. So if you've got someone who's high anxiety, highly driven, their goals that they have are normally big. Their timeframes are unrealistic. So they normally have small compressed timeframes. So they're trying to rush to get those goals done. And then from there, you've also got the skill sets. So the timeframes and the skill sets have to align with each other. You've got to look at this consistent feedback that you're getting. If you're someone that's really lazy and you can't be bothered, maybe your goals aren't big enough and maybe you're not tightening up the timeframes enough in order to create some sort of an anxiety or stress to get you moving. We need to have things like adrenaline and dopamine. We use that as a reward system to get stuff done. But there's a nice balance. If you have too much dopamine and too much adrenaline, you can work really, really hard and you'll push yourself really, really hard and you burn out. Now, for a lot of the people that I work with, that are extremely driven, I would assume that something that you've gotta be very careful of is getting too much adrenaline pump 
and also using dopamine too much. Because if you're searching for quick fixes, if you're in a rush to try and achieve things, you're probably using adrenaline quite a lot. And you'll probably look for immediate gratification quite quickly and quite a lot. When you do that, you burn out. So you have ruts. You have energy ruts where you just fucking flatline. This is where I get a lot of people who say, you know, I self-sabotage because I've got these big goals. But it's just that they're not managing their energy well and they're not managing their expectations well. That's pillar number two. So pillar number one is understanding what fulfills you. That's in this success map that we teach at Thrive Time. Pillar number two is all about direction. If you're unclear on your direction, then you can work really, really hard, but you're probably going to end up somewhere you don't want to be. And most people in life are just working and they're trying to figure it out. And I ask them, I meet people all the time. I meet business owners and I'm like, cool, what are the goals? What's your next 90 days look like? And so on. And they're like, I don't know, I'm just blah, blah, I'm doing stuff. Blah. And I watch them, they just work flat out going nowhere. And most people in life work flat out and they go nowhere. You know, when I talk to a lot of Australians, they're like, you know, I just want to set myself up for retirement. I'm like, the fuck, you're like 22. What are you worried about? Like, you need to learn a lot. Like in your 20s, if I had my time again, my number one tip for anyone under the age of 30 is to spend as much money as you can on learning as much as you can. Because life starts to get serious around about 30. And so that's where they're trying to start to set their life up. But if you're worried about retirement when you're 30, you're already focused on the wrong thing. You should be focused now on starting to grow that fruit of all the effort and the energy you're putting into learning and growing. This is the perfect scenario, by the way. You know, different people have different stages of life and so on. But, you know, 20s is about learning as much, I think, if I have my time again, learning as much as you can and just spending as much as you possibly can on growing as much skill set as you can in the areas of your values, your purpose, and your mission. Then from there, once you understand yourself and you understand the skill sets you need and all that, you then start to plant all the seeds and start to slowly harvest. By the mid-30s and 40s, that's harvest time. That's where you start to crank everything up. And by the 50s, you're starting to work smarter, 60s working even better. And if you have a look, most people throughout their life who achieve great things are on this consistent upward trajectory. The average Australian is normally, they're on an upward trajectory until their 20s, maybe late 20s. And then after that, it just flatlines until it goes downhill at retirement. Not a really great way of living, especially if you're a driven person. That's how most people live. To be honest, I'm 38. I can't think of anything more disgusting than retirement. What are you retiring from? Nothing in nature retires. Some people can retire from a sport career, but they'll go to a different career and they're the smart ones. The unintelligent ones normally just end up in a complete rut and they end up completely self-destructive because they've got nothing else to go into. And this can also happen in retirement. So anyway, that's pillar number two. Pillar number three of the success map is also understanding how to consistently create mental and emotional balance and to create more stability and to use performance tools in order to get your brain working right and to manage your emotions. The more stability you can have in here and the more stability you can have through your emotions, the more stable your actions and the more consistent they're gonna be. So your thoughts drive your emotions, your emotions drive your actions, and then your actions reinforce the thinking and so on. And so it just keeps going and going and going. When it comes to self-sabotage, I've already touched on it quite a lot, but self-sabotage essentially is misalignment of values and priority. I'll give an example. If my number one value is my family, let's say it's family, then career. So I've got my number one value is family, number two value is career, number three value is friends, and my fourth value might be my physical appearance. Now, if I decide that next week I'm gonna start a new gym program. Now, this is just an example, by the way. These aren't my values and they're not my values order, but I see this happening almost on a daily basis with people, and it's so obvious and it's so easy to tell. So this person now decides that on Monday, they're gonna to go to the gym, they're gonna train five days a week, and they're gonna exercise, so they've set this goal. But then what happens? On Monday, they go, everything's gone great, Tuesday, it's gone great, Wednesday, it's gone great, but Thursday, the kids are sick, and so now they're torn. 
do I go to the gym or do I look after the kids? Do I go to the gym? But I've committed to five days at the gym, but shit, I've also got to look after my kids, but I've committed to five days. And so now they've got this TikTok going on in their brain. Who's ever had this before? That internal argument around, should I be doing this or should I be doing that? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? When you have that, there's a clash of values. And so your brain is trying to figure out what the priority order is. Now, if you're not clear on your values and you're not honest about your values and you're not honest about how to understand your values, then what happens is you go, shit, I need to look after my kids, but my goal is the gym, but my priority is really the kids. But my goal is the gym, but my priority is the kids. When you do that, that's where the internal chaos starts because you've got a goal, but your values dictate the way you're gonna behave. And so that person, if they go to the gym and don't look after their kids, they're gonna feel like shit and a bad parent and they're gonna feel guilty and beat themselves up. But if they look after the kids, they're going to feel guilty because they didn't go to the gym because it's going to be a clash of their goal. And they're going to feel like they're not achieving things. So they'll call that a self-sabotage pattern. So what most people call a self-sabotage pattern is actually an alignment of values and a misalignment of goals. So this person will probably take the kids. And when they take the kids, they're going to feel guilty because they've got the goal, but the goal doesn't take precedence over the values. And so when you know that, you go, well, my priority is that and it's going to come at the expense of the goal and you're fine with it. So you don't call it a self-sabotage pattern. You just readjust and off you keep going. But because most people are unclear on their goals, they don't understand the three pillars that I mentioned before, the three pillars that I teach at our Thrive Time event and the three pillars that create your unique success map in life. Because most people don't understand that, then now they call it self-sabotage. They go, well, I fucked up my gym session. Now it's all shit. Now I'm going to eat. And so now they start this vicious cycle where they start beating themselves up. It brings up all of this past emotional imbalance stuff that they haven't worked through and haven't dealt with. And then now they're self-defeating and then they're going to start Monday again. So on Monday, they decide, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do five days a week. And let's say they have one good week. They go to the gym, everything works out well. But the third week, all of a sudden, Monday comes, Tuesday comes, work pops up. Shit, I've got this big project for work. Do I take work, which is a high value? Or do I stick to my goal? My goal of going to the gym. And then so now they have this conflict again. Do I work on this project that I need to get done? Or do I go to the gym? Do I work? And so now they have this internal dialogue fight going on again. Because they don't understand that values always take priority over goals from a psychological standpoint, and also values are the things in the correct priority order that, that make you fulfilled. When you understand that, the choice is obvious, right? That person needs to work. And they need to be okay with letting go of the goal of going to the gym. But because now they've got a self-comparison and there's someone else that they saw on Instagram who has a better body and they feel fat because they've been eating some chocolate and they've been drinking some beer and they don't feel good about themselves. So now it brings up all these insecurities and this internal dialogue fight. And now they're like, but I fucked up my gym session. I should have gone to the gym, but you know, I've got to work. And so now they start creating these got-tos and they feel torn about it. And then they're beating themselves up and then that caused them to drink more. And now they're drinking and they're eating food again. They go, oh, fuck the gym session up. You know what? I need to start next week. And it starts all this self-depreciating cycle. Who's ever been through this before? I've had it most of my life. And it's taken a long, long time to work through this. That's why I use myself as a crash test dummy. And why I know that I teach some of the world's most advanced stuff on this because I've used myself as a crash test dummy. From the kid that was kicked out of school at 15, to told that I had learning difficulties and that I probably had dyslexia and got put into special classes to now someone who spent you know over a million dollars on study, read shitloads of books, 
you know, being able to teach, I mean, shoot, we have psychologists, we have medical doctors and all that stuff who come to our events. You know, we have a lot of highly intelligent people who come to our events who want to learn a lot of this stuff. But my point is that I've gone into depth in this stuff because I had a lot of these patterns that I had to work through. I knew that there was something more and I knew that there was something better that I could be doing with my life. You are probably someone who wants to be more driven, that you have higher expectations than the average person. But that also creates a lot of pressure on yourself, especially when you don't have your success map and those three pillars all properly structured and refined over time because you have patterns that come up where your brain starts fighting with itself between its values and its goals and you're unclear on stuff and then you start to beat yourself up and self-depreciate and then it causes these vicious cycles and then when you go through those vicious cycles, they can spiral out of control, destroy self-worth. You know, all of those things happen when you're unclear with this stuff. You need to have those three pillars really clear and you need to build out your own success map. What I realized from being around my niece and nephew and also working with kids, not that that's my specialty by any means, that's not who I work with, but I have worked with a fair few kids in the past, is that if you have a look at a child, a child is unique and a child is always extraordinary. Actually, I've never seen it. I've never seen a child that's not extraordinary. And I say that in a way because if you look at a child, if a child wants to go and play outside in the rain, you say, don't go outside, it's raining. The child looks and it just goes, no, and it tries to figure out how it can get what it wants. And five minutes later, you walk into the kitchen, bang, straight outside, right? So the child gets what it wants. The child lives its values. The child will figure shit out. The child will deal with problems. The child acknowledges its emotions, but it will acknowledge its emotions. It doesn't have self-control enough yet, though. That happens as a child starts to develop its prefrontal cortex. And that can happen you know, for men up until their late 20s, for females it's early 20s, based on neuroscience and a lot of the studies. But my point is that a child can figure out what it wants and how to get it. Most adults I speak to, they're like, oh yeah, but I wanna do this. Oh, but it's too hard. And you know, I just, oh, you know, but I'm like, you don't understand. And, yeah, and then they play the victim card. I'm like, what happens to that childlike enthusiasm? A child can figure out how to do what it wants. Most adults are like, oh, but you know, I don't have the cash. I've had it this week, right? We have some tickets that I allow some business owners to come to our events that I know we can help. And so I will give them a day pass, complimentary. And these people are business owners who need our help, who I know I can help, and who have problems that they need to work through. And I know we can do it. And I can probably save them a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of stress. And then a couple of days before the event, you always get three to five of them pull out. And I look at it and I go, isn't it interesting that they've got problems, they're stressed out, yet they always make excuses and then they wonder why their business isn't working. It's not that fucking hard to figure out that they're the problem. You know, the biggest bottleneck in any business is always at the top of the bottle, right? And so business owners are always the bottleneck normally in their business until they scale to a really large size and they've got a large management team. Small to medium-sized businesses, it's always the business owner that's the biggest bottleneck. My point is that most adults stop themselves from achieving great things because they've lost that childlike enthusiasm, which is I can figure it out, I will get it, I will find a way. Most adults will focus on their problems, they'll focus on the stress, they'll focus on the pain. They'll look on Instagram, compare themselves to others, that they look at all the shit that they're not, which is a really good way of figuring out what you're not doing in life and what you shouldn't do because it's not your highest value. You know, when I see someone, a dude on Instagram with a six pack, I don't look at him and go, shit, I wanna be like that because I know that that comes at a cost and a lot of consequences. That's extremely hard and it's extremely dedicated. Do I wanna dedicate my life to getting six pack and all of that? No, because that's not my values. That's not my lane because I'm super clear with my values, my purpose, my mission, my lifestyle balance and all the shit that I'm trying to achieve. They might be looking at me and saying, shit, I wish I had that business and I wish I had the clientele. 
I wish I had the money, all of that stuff that I have. And someone else is looking at me going, shit, I wouldn't have that because I'd rather have a family and I wouldn't want to work that much. And that's completely understandable. So you need to really, for everyone who's watching this, if you want to have less self-sabotage, less procrastination, less mental destruction, less emotional volatilities, less energy volatilities, less vicious cycles in your life, then you need to get super clear and build your success map out and do it in a way that is productive for you because you're unique as an individual. Unless you can figure out what your lane is in life, you're going to keep jumping across into other people's lanes and then wondering why you keep fucking things up and self-destructing. But it's obvious. You know, if I'm trying to compete in running against Usain Bolt, I'm going to look like a fucking fool. If I'm in the swimming pool and I'm trying to swim like Michael Phelps, no matter how much training I put in, I'm not going to beat Michael Phelps because that's not what my gift is in life. That's not what I'm here for. That's not what my values suggest. I could do swimming for like two weeks and I'd probably give up because there's other shit I'd rather be doing. The clearer you are with the three pillars, what you're fulfilled with, what direction you're going and what your focus is. And then finally, knowing performance psychology tools to keep yourself mentally and emotionally stable and to understand what self-sabotage patterns and procrastination is really telling you and the feedback it's giving you, then most people are just going to keep running in everyone else's lanes trying to figure out life. And that can be self-destructive in itself. So before I wrap up, because I know I could talk about this for probably, I mean, I could just do a whole day presentation just on self-sabotage and then I could do a whole nother day just on procrastination. Essentially, if you look at it, when you have a self-sabotage pattern or what you'd label as a self-sabotage pattern, what it's doing is it's giving you feedback that you have a misalignment of your values. So if you prioritize, when we go back to that person who family is their highest value, career is second, friends were third, and then fitness was fourth, when you look at that person's values, they're trying to shift the value of fitness up above the other values, which doesn't work. They're trying to push it up, but it's not going to get up there. Now, I hear a lot of stuff in NLP courses and I've heard it in a lot of psychology and stuff and they'll say you can change your values. But my question is why? Why would you change your values when they're unique to you unless you're trying to be something that you're not unless you're trying to fit into someone else's paradigm? No one's really able to answer that. Because the truth is that if you're trying to change your values and the values order, it's normally because you're trying to be something that you're not and you're comparing yourself to others which is creating a self-sabotage pattern and also self-depreciation. The best thing that you can do is to acknowledge the gifts that you have that are allowing you to be unique and to be great and then to use those gifts in order to be skilled at something that you enjoy doing. And when you do that, you'll be able to do things in an effective way in order to achieve the things that you want. Now, if you want to live in someone else's lane and live someone else's life, then that's cool. But essentially, you won't have your own life. You'll be living someone else's, which I think is also self-destructive. And I think probably the majority of the mental health industry really thrives because our society also thrives on trying to be something that they're not. And every time I've had someone come to any of our events like Thrive Time or any other event or even just my one day events or whatever, and they have mental health issues, I know that they've spent the majority of their life trying to live in someone else's values, in trying to be something they're not, comparing themselves to others, beating the shit out of themselves trying to please other people around them and setting unrealistic expectations for life, having unrealistic comparisons and things like that. It normally leads to absolute fucking mental destruction. And you can do a whole bunch of magical, mystical shit, which is what a lot of the industry tries to do. You know, you can fucking put as many crystals on yourself as you want. You can go and have as much therapy and talk about how fucked up your childhood is. But the more you keep living outside of your lane, the more you keep trying to be something you're not, the more you keep trying to do the things that you're not gifted at, and the more you compare yourself to others, the more you're going to keep fucking up and the more you're going to keep beating yourself up. It's really that simple. And the more you do that, the more volatility it creates because the more pressure you put on yourself, the more adrenaline spikes, the more adrenaline spikes, the more it changes other hormonal sequences. So it can throw out things like testosterone, dihydrotestosterone, 
estrogen levels, progesterone. We have to understand that the stress hormones are a flight, fight, and freeze response. So that keeps us safe. Our stress hormones are there for our survival. When stress spikes and we have a distress response, when that happens, other hormones start to alter. So there are a lot of hormonal imbalances that people are having. You know, there's a whole theory in psychology that, you know, mental health issues are because of a chemical imbalance. But if you actually have a look at it, the chemical imbalance is highly probable that it is driven by an imbalanced perception around what people think that they should be, how they should be acting, how they should be behaving, trying to please others and trying to be something that they're not. And it's really easy to see this because if you test someone before stress and then you just tell them something that's stressful, the thought of something stressful in itself will change hormonal responses in the body and it can change it quickly, like we're talking in milliseconds. So stress is there to keep us safe. Our goal in life at the most primitive level is survival. If we're in a survival response and we're consistently under adrenaline and we're consistently under distress, it's gonna be extremely hard to try to balance out other hormones and extremely hard to try and change shit in our life when we're stressed out because we're in flight, fight, and freeze response. We're just acting under survival. The way out of that is you work on those three pillars that I spoke about earlier that I go through at our Thrive Time event. Now, finally, I wanna deal with procrastination. Procrastination is normally a byproduct of having an unclear mission and unclear goals and then setting a task that you want to achieve, which isn't linked to the values. So when you have your values, and then when you set a task or a goal, and there's a misalignment, what will happen is that your brain will create some form of a self-sabotage pattern, but also procrastination, because your brain's trying to figure out how it actually helps you to achieve the things that you want. So I'll give you an example. I had this one for a while and I couldn't figure it out, but then once I got it, I was like, ah, now I know exactly what it's trying to do. So I would start working on some projects and I would be in my office. Now I'm lucky I get to work from home. Jess also has her office. So she's essentially the CEO of the company now. So I sit in here, I start working, I start doing all this detailed data work and then I go, ah, I'm just gonna check Facebook. And I hop on Facebook and I start, in the next second I'm scrolling and then I look and I'm like an hour later, I've still been scrolling. For ages I kept thinking, why do I keep self-sabotaging? Why am I procrastinating? Why am I putting off doing this task? Now it wasn't until I realized that based on my values, my number one value is connection. So if I don't feel like I'm connected with people when I'm doing tasks, I will find a task where I can perceive that I get connection from it. And so I can procrastinate, not because I'm just trying to avoid doing the task, but it's because I'm actually getting my values met through the other task. So the point that I'm trying to make is that if there is a mismatch between the task that you're doing and your values, your brain will always go for the thing that it perceives it gets the most value out of. So when I understood that, I went, shit, what I need to do is I need to grab my values and I need to link the task that I'm doing to my values. And when you do that, you're essentially creating an alignment within your brain structure, within the neurological structures of your brain, which are linking doing the task to something purposeful, meaningful that makes you fulfilled. Once you do that, you don't procrastinate. So most weeks I have it happen where I'll go to do a task and I start working on it and then I go, oh, I'll just go get a coffee. Then I'll come back, oh, I'll just go to the bathroom. And then I come back and I'll, I'll just go check with Jess. And then I catch myself. Once I catch myself and I'm self-aware, I go, ah, I need to link the task that I'm doing to the fulfilling meaning and the values because once I link them, my brain goes, ah, doing this is important because it helps me to achieve the things that are meaningful to me in life. And then I get it done. So I normally have my journal, which sits right here, which is essentially just a notebook. But I have a journal sitting here so that I can grab my journal, which is, like I said, it's just a line notebook. I will jump in there and I will link stuff to my values if I find myself procrastinating. And I'll link stuff to my mission. 
so that by doing that task, I feel fulfilled in doing it, which then makes me want to do it instead of avoid doing it. Because all your brain's trying to do is try to figure out how it can get the most value out of the day. That's all it's trying to do. So there is no real such thing as procrastination. It's essentially just a misprioritization of what your brain is really trying to get fulfillment out of. Now, would I rather go and hang out with people and chat to people or be on Facebook? The truth is I'd rather go and do it. But your brain will take a suboptimal response to get its values met if it can't get the optimal values met. So by doing that task, is it optimal that I'm on Facebook? No. But my brain's trying to figure out, well, if I can't go and hang out with people and I can't go and do things where I perceive that I'm getting connection, I might as well go for the suboptimal format, which is through Facebook or through social media. So I'm still getting my values met. It's just my perception is that I'm procrastinating and my perception is that I'm self-sabotaging. When my brain is just actually giving me exactly what I want that's fulfilling throughout the day. There's no real such thing as self-sabotage and there's no real such thing as procrastination. It's just that you're getting your values met in suboptimal ways or there is a mismatch between goals, your mission, your values, and your brain's trying to figure it all out. And so it will create self-sabotage patterns and that's part of it. Now, if you self-sabotage and you compare it to what you think it should be, then you can also create a self-depreciating behavior where your brain becomes chaotic and you start to beat yourself up. But that's also a learned behavior from people around you. If you watch your parents self-depreciate, if you watch your mom self-depreciate or your dad self-depreciate or grandparents, you can actually pick that up and you can start to do it. Young children don't really self-depreciate, but they will as they start to grow up because they learn it from someone else around them. And then they'll start to beat themselves up or they start to say negative shit about themselves and then that internalizes. And so a lot of that internal dialogue is just learned behavior. And so it's something that I had to pick up on. And you know, I'm very cautious of my self-talk. I'm very cautious of being self-depreciating. I used to do it quite a lot. But just over time, you know, I just catch myself and I'm like, fuck it, there's 8 billion people on the planet. I'm assuming that there's a lot of people out there who don't like me based on values disconnect, based on past experience with me, based on the fact that they just don't like my face. Why am I beating myself up? Why am I self-depreciating and calling myself a piece of shit and lazy? I'm sure there's someone else out there who were very willing to do it for me. So, you know, you got to make sure that you're strong in here so that then when you do do great things in life, all of that negative shit's going to come from the outside anyway. You've got to control that on the inside. Now, I'm not saying be positive and over-exaggerate because that also makes people fucking loony. Just like a lot of negativity makes people crazy as well. And you just want to keep it nice and stable. Look for the benefits and the drawbacks of stuff. You know, there's a benefit to being criticized and there's a drawback to being criticized. There's a benefit to being appreciated and there's a drawback to being appreciated. So you need to start to learn how to balance and keep your brain in balance and your emotions in balance. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And also for those of you who haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, jump across to YouTube, which is Michael Mojo on YouTube. I've been uploading a whole heap of new trainings, a whole bunch of other bits and pieces across there. So jump across to Michael Mojo on YouTube. Make sure you smash that subscribe button so you get a lot of the free trainings and the free resources that I'm popping up on there now. And I look forward to you joining me back here tomorrow for another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. 